if you ever struggle with the concept of God, if you ever struggle with the idea of God, then I, I think this is going to make some sense to you. And, and hopefully this furthers your, your thoughts as we go through this. Because this is something that I've thought about in a lot of different ways. And it's almost like uh, different angles that you see from and and then your vision is opened up to look at it in a different way. And maybe you've struggled with God before, and, and then hopefully this will help that. So let's put ourselves in a hypothetical situation. Imagine you and, and perhaps your best friend are out to dinner, and... You're at a bar and grill, you have a lovely meal, and somebody is just like sitting over near the bar, drinking too much, and glaring over at your table, very irritated. No reason why, just this person is kind of crazy. You leave, and you pay the check, you get up, you walk out the door, and as you're going, you and your friend, this person jumps your friend and attacks them. Your friend falls down and gets injured. EMS comes, takes them away. You think, oh, I hope they, they're going to be okay. They become paralyzed through it. Can you, can you put yourself in that horrible situation? Now that other person gets arrested. And they try to collect evidence. They try to, to find out, okay, why did this happen? And eventually there's a court case, but it turns out that none of the security cameras were on. And it's only your word against their word. And they say the story didn't happen quite the way that you say at first. And so your friend is in a wheelchair, and this other person is in front of the judge. And the jury is making a decision, but the jury decides for a mistrial. Why? Because there isn't enough evidence. How many of you would be very, very upset in that situation? You with me? Let's make it worse. Let's, let's make the situation slightly worse. Let's say that the judge did know and there was a videotape. There's a videotape of it all happening. And it's very apparent that this crazy person was in the wrong. But the person is standing there before the judge, and the judge is like, I'm about ready to sentence you. But if you say you're really sorry and apologize, and promise to never do it again, I'll let you go. How many of you would be furious? That judge would not be reelected, I'm telling you, right? You would be livid, angry. All right? Because it isn't fair, right? That's why you'd be upset. Because it's not just, and we want justice, right? We want justice from the system of judgment. Now let's think about this. Why? Why do we need justice? Because we believe that people should be rewarded for the good that they do, right? We want that to occur. But we also believe that people should face consequences for the bad that they do. 
especially if they harm someone else, right? How many of you are there with me? Like, oh yeah. Like, this is why we need a court system. This is why we need criminal court. This is why uh, we have judges. This is why we have police officers. This is why we have societal norms and, and codes of conduct and how we behave. And this is why even in war there's now laws. Because there has to be some form of justice. Now imagine being Jonah, where his whole nation has gone through the turmoil of this type of situation. And then God taps on Jonah's shoulder and says, hey, go tell them to apologize, and then they'll be okay, and then they'll make it into heaven just like you. And Jonah's like, I don't want them as my neighbors in heaven. Do you see this? How many of you have struggled, you yourself have struggled, with the idea of why does God allow bad things to happen to good people and allow good things to happen to bad people. Have you ever struggled with that? Yeah. So the question that we're asking when we're thinking about this is, is God just and is he fair? Does this world make sense? And, and I'm going to be brutally honest here. Like, I am very, 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 very glad that I'm not God. Thank you, Chris. I'm also glad that you're not God. So here's why. It's because I would not be a good judge. I would get angry very quickly about these things. I'd, I'd be smiting people left and right, especially when I was younger, you know. I'd be like, oh, well, this is happening here, and, and they're hurting this innocent person, and, and this, and this, and this. But throughout Scripture, we see that God is long-suffering, and that he understands timing. But even in the Old Testament, there's different places where it says this person was so horrible that God just took care of them, knocked them out of the picture. Like, you're done. We live in a world where we don't always see the plan that God has and what he's up to. Instead, we have a limited view of what justice is, what righteousness is. That's really what righteousness is. It's justice for what is to occur. And if, if you're like Jonah or if you're like me, we struggle with this because it seems that God doesn't always do what is right in our own eyes. And I think the reason that is, is because he has to give grace. He must give grace. I, I think about the parable of the servants who are being paid their wages. How many of you remember that story? So the story is basically, uh, Jesus tells his story. He says that there was a, a vineyard, there were workers out there, there were day laborers. So the idea is they would get their paycheck every day. They come, they show up, they'd work, they get paid for however long they put in, whatever was agreed upon. And so people were hired early in the morning, let's say 6 a.m., and, and they said, here's how much I'll pay you for a full day of work. And so they're going to work 6 to 5. And, and so they agreed to that because it seemed like a good pay check that they were going to get for that. And, and then as the day progressed, the owner kept going and hiring more people. And as they're hiring more people, he says, I'll pay you the same amount but your hours will be less. And eventually, some rumblings start happening among the employees. Why? 
Because the people that were there at 6 a.m. are getting paid the same as the people that were there at 4 p.m., and they've only got to work for an hour? Is that fair? No. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. There's some people that probably pray with the very last breath that they have on earth and end up in heaven. And I think that's difficult. Like, it was difficult for Jonah to understand, and it was difficult for us to understand. And at first, we're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, everyone needs to be saved, and, and everyone needs grace, and all of these other things. But I think the truth of the matter is, even in our own hearts, unless we're really reconciled with God ourselves, and, and we've given ourselves over, and he's Lord of our lives, we always grade ourselves on our own intentions, right? But we grade others on their actions, So we look out at other people's lives and we say, oh, they're way far from God because I see them do this, this, and this, and they keep doing this, this, and this, or they've done this, this, and this against me. And so they're far from God. And then on our own stuff, <laughs> how many of you know you got stuff? <laughs> on your own stuff, you're like, oh, but I meant it well. Oh, I don't know how they took what I said that way. I didn't mean it that way. But if somebody says something to us, we're like, oh, I'm angry. Well, we're going to get justice on them. This is why all throughout Scripture it says that, that judgment is the Lord's, that justice is God's, and that any retribution will be God's, and that we're not to carry out revenge God himself says, revenge is mine. We don't get to do that. We're not supposed to do that as believers, but a lot of times we do it in our own mind. Like we put them, oh, obviously they're going to hell. They don't like me. They're in trouble, damnation, because they don't do exactly the way I do. And we put ourselves in the position of judgment instead of allowing God to do the job that only God can do. You with me? You with me? So I'm not saying that we don't we, we ignore when bad stuff is happening. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we don't know what God is doing there. So if God isn't stopping somebody from doing something horrible, there may be a reason that we are never clued into because we're not part of the plan to begin with. Like he doesn't have to run things by Ben to make sure I approve of it so that God can do the work he's already doing. You with me? He doesn't have to run things by you in order to get your approval to accomplish his will. That's not how this works. God is God outside of you. And so we have to come to an understanding that when I look at the world and I say, this isn't fair and this isn't fair and these people are being hurt and this isn't right, I have to say, you know what? In the end, God is going to get justice and there will be something to pay for that. But I'm not in charge of it. And it's not my job to bring it. Very different. Now, if I have a chance to help innocent people, if I have a chance to further that along and I feel God's calling me to that, if that's my job, if I'm a police officer, if I'm a judge, then you carry out your duty, right? And you see that it's accomplished, but you realize that God is in control of the timing and the place and how it occurs. Maybe he's building something within them where they'll receive grace and be opened up to their faults and failures. Here's the thing I do know, that from God's viewpoint, we've all done evil. 
So who is righteous? No, not one. Only Jesus Christ came to the earth and lived and died without ever sinning. So we all need a Savior, right? But here's the deal. A lot of times our own evil and our own problems, we want to downgrade that, and we want to push our you know, idea of holiness and say, oh, well, this, you know, I've, I'm perfect now, and, and all these other people are wrong there. But the truth is all of us have broken at least one of the Ten Commandments, right? All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but by Christ we are made whole and receive salvation. So here's the deal. If we ourselves want to receive grace and we want to come to the communion table and have the warm fuzzies and have the good feelings that we have with Jesus and have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, then we have to allow God to do the work that only God can do and give grace to whoever he wants to give grace to. And we have to be long-suffering the way he's long-suffering and allow his ministry to occur whether or not we understand what's going on. So horrible stuff is going to happen in this world and in this life. Bad things are going to happen, but we're not always going to understand it. But we have to have faith in this, that God is bigger than that, and no matter what is going on, his plan is going to come to pass. And if we're in that situation, then we have given it to God, and we're allowing God to work through us. Because if grace is from God... And, and think about this. If grace and salvation and mercy is from God, then it has to be by his rules alone, not by mine. And, and this is where I, I think it, it, it really helps us if we have a good understanding of this, a, a theological understanding, a doctrinal understanding of who God is. Like, God is God. He is a way above our thoughts. Thoughts Like, I am not saying that I got this 100% right, that I understand all of this. What I'm actually saying is I don't get it all the time, and that's okay because Ben is not God, and you're not God either. You with me? So we don't have to know what is happening to know that God is still in control. I don't have a clue sometimes where I put my cup of coffee, there is no way I should be in judgment over others. Like, I don't have my own life straightened out, and I need God's grace as much as anybody else, and I need forgiveness. I'm not going to cast stones in someone else's direction. You with me? So this is a hard place to get to because some of you... It, 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 you know, for some of us, it's theoretical. Others of you have struggled with things. You've lost loved ones. You've lost children. You've gone through horrible, horrible situations. You've seen horrible, horrible things, and you have to reconcile this, and you have to come to terms with it, and then allow God to be God and say, I don't understand this. And I think once you do that, there's an incredible power that God gives you of grace in that, because no matter what the enemy throws at you, you're like, God has got this. Amen? God's got this. I don't have this. I'm falling apart over here, but <laughs> God's got it taken care of. I don't need to stress out about this. And you kind of understand that there is a sovereignty to God's will. And what does that mean? It means that whatever God wants to accomplish, he will accomplish. It's going to happen. And we get to go along for the ride. All right. So 
and this, this brought about something else that I thought about. I said, you know, how, how and why do sometimes innocent or, or young people pass away way before their time? Uh, and there's, there's two reasons, and I'm not saying this in a critical way. Like, death could be judgment for someone that's bad, right? Like, we talked about that already. If God sees the future and knows that this person's never going to repent, and they're going to go on to hurt lots and lots of people. I think most of us would say, yeah, uh, if, if it's within God's ability to stop uh, a world war that's going to kill thousands and thousands of people or a child molester that's going to hurt people, then God should do that, right? If they're not going to come to repentance, if there isn't something going on, God should do that. Uh, that's his deal. I'm not saying he should or shouldn't. That's what he's going to decide. But death can also be salvation. And that sounds really bizarre. But uh, Isaiah 57, 1 through 2, and maybe you should write this down. You can think about it. Isaiah 57, 1 through 2 says this. Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is what? Protecting them from what? The evil to come. We don't know what was going to happen in their life. God says, it's time for you to go. For those who follow godly paths will what? Rest in peace when they die. So, so here's the deal. We have to give life, our life to God, right? If we're coming into salvation, then we're not just saying, oh, Jesus, save me. I'm going to add this into my belief system. We're giving our life to God, but then we're also giving our death to him. You realize that? Like your life and your death are now in God's hands. Whatever it takes, God, I want to give myself to you. And, and, and so that's where we have to be. So we have to allow God to work that way. We have to give ourselves over to it because he, it, it is what it is going to be. It is what it is in God's eyes. Here's what he's doing. We don't understand it all the time, but here's what he's told us. He's told us sometimes this is done to protect us. So we have to just accept that. We have to, we have to move past that in some way and then, and then understand what is happening. So in Jonah 2, we see a situation where Jonah kind of self-inflicted death is occurring. He, uh, he's running from God. He's doing the opposite of what God wants him to do. And in this book of what we have is a narrative of, of Jonah occurring. But it, within the narrative, we have this break of chapter 2 that's poetry. It's, it's a prayer. It's almost like a song of prayer. And, and, and you realize that this is like something that was thought out. It was sequenced as far as what it was. I don't think this is necessarily, maybe it was, I don't know that this was the prayer that was in his belly, because I think if I was inside of a fish, I'd just be saying, God help me. Oh, God help me. I've done wrong, right? Like my prayer would not be as pretty as this. Maybe it was. I, I don't know. But you have this, this poetry in the middle of it. And it says this, uh, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed, so he, he swallowed up by the fish. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. 
Seaweed wrapped itself around my head, and I sank down to the very roots of the mountains, and I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates are locked forever. How many of you think that sounds like fun? No, right? And I, I was researching this, and, and I didn't realize this before, but there's, there's two different thoughts. There, there's the thought that Jonah was swallowed up by, by the whale, and he, he prays this, uh, this prayer or a prayer, and then, you know, rewrites it when he gets out, orders it so we understand what happened. He, he's writing to what occurred, and, and maybe that happened. But there's another thought, even within biblical studies, people that believe this, they believe that Jonah died, that he was dead within the fish. Because it says here that he sank to the deep depths and he was engulfed by the tomb and he was under all of these things. Uh, and then it says right there, but you, O Lord, my God, what? Snatch me from the jaws of death. Now, if I was swallowed by a fish, I'd probably be dead. And in fact, Jesus himself, we, we saw this in the first message we talked about. Jesus himself said, I will give you the sign of Jonah, which was what? I'll be put in the tomb in the earth for this long, and then I will come back out. So there's some people that when they look at this, they say, hey, it, it sure looks like Jonah is praying this from Sheol or from the resting place, that he's praying this in death in some way and somehow. I don't know if that's true. Here's what I do know, that no matter what, it's the same outcome. <laughs> that if God wanted to resurrect Jonah when the, when the, before, right before the fish spit him out, he could if he wanted to preserve Jonah's life within the fish, then he could, right? Because we already talked about that earlier. If God wants to keep somebody alive, he can. Amen? If God wants to show them something else, he can. And we have other strange verses in the Scripture, too, in the New Testament, where it talks about speaking to the dead and things like that. If God wants to do something, he can do it. So either way, the same outcome occurs. But I just found that really interesting. I was like, I never really saw that before, but you can almost see how that could be possible. But it says here, but you, O Lord, my God, you what? You snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. I underlined that. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. Have you ever worshipped a false god? How many of you have put yourself before God? That, that's idolatry. That's worshipping a false god. You've made yourself God. All right, verse 8 there. Can you pop that up, Adam? Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. And, and here's how I think part of that happens. When God is our God and he's present, we turn our desires and our affections towards him. Whenever we are in some form of idolatry, we turn our affections and our attention towards whatever we've chosen. And by doing that, we are leaving the mercies of God. We are withdrawing from it, and we are choosing our own pleasure over the pleasure of God that has been given to us by him. We are choosing a lesser thing than God's will. So those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. My salvation comes from the Lord 
alone. Where does your salvation come from? Jesus Christ, the Lord alone, right? Is it by the things that you do after you're saved? Is it by the family that you were born into? Is it by the church that you go to? Or is it through Jesus Christ alone? Through Christ alone. I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then verse 10 says this. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I find that hilarious. It's like you have this crazy prayer, the stinkiest prayer meeting in all of history. And then he gets puked <laughs> onto the beach. This is the worst ride ever. And, and you realize even the prayer itself is kind of ironic because um, when we go back and we see verse 9, can you pull that up, Aiden? Verse 9, I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. What you're seeing there is a return to the ministry of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God, right? When he left, he left his profiting. He stopped being a prophet of God, and he went on his own path. He chose his own idol. When he comes back, he says, I'll fulfill my vows. Like, I'm going to follow through on what God called me to do. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Can you imagine if you went down to the beach that day to sunbathe? And... <laughs> A big old fish comes up and like, bleh. Be like, what? Man, I think the mayonnaise sandwich went bad. Did you just see what I saw? So Jonah, <laughs> Jonah gets out, and we're going to see what happens next week in here. But uh, you, you read here a, a prayer of understanding of what his calling is. I don't think that Jonah necessarily completely agrees with God in this. He's saying, God, you're God, and I'm not. But he doesn't necessarily want Nineveh to be saved still. But he's saying, hey, I'm going to fulfill my vows. I'm going to do what I want. And you see a lot of theology wrapped in who God is, what he created, and then how he can do whatever he wants. When I read this, I see a man that's in deep trouble, praying really hard. Deep trouble, playing, praying really hard. You ever been in deep trouble and you start praying really hard? That's Jonah. Jonah's in the very bottom of that, and he's calling out to God. I think there are times when we need to call out to God, amen? Maybe there's idols in your life right now. Maybe there's something where you've turned your back on God's mercy because you're choosing your own path. You need to pray and call out to God so that he doesn't send a fish at you. <laughs> You need to pray and call out to God so that it doesn't require something this severe. You need to pray that God would allow you to fulfill all of your vows so that you accomplish everything that he has designed and created for you to do within your life. Amen? Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg's going to come forward for a second because we're talking about prayer today. We have an opportunity for you uh, that I want him to present when it comes to youth. Some of you guys are prayer warriors. Your spiritual gift lies in prayer. You pray for people. Sometimes you end up praying even without thinking about praying. You're, you start talking to God. We need you 
to pray for our young folks. Amen? Think about this. Oh, yeah, our kids are going through way more than we ever went through at this age. Our kids are facing a world that we're not even sure of what it's going to look like in two weeks from now. They need Jesus, and they need our prayers. So Greg's going to talk about that for a minute. Thank you. Um, when I grew up in the church, we had a, uh, a prayer partner, and they would be usually an elder or at least someone um, older, just because you're praying for little kids. Um, and it was good to know that there was someone praying for you. Uh, it was good to know that if you had an issue or uh, something in life, you could come to him and say, hey, I, I need prayer for this, or uh, maybe just some wisdom or some direction. So uh, I've gotten with Selena, and I will have a list of all of our kids, um, and that's ones that have come maybe one time or that constantly come. Uh, but all of them need uh, some sort of mentor or prayer partner. So <clears throat> over the next week, um, I have some people in mind, so I'll talk to you. But over the next week, really pray about it. Um, I would like every single one of them, and I think we're upwards to about 20 um, from my kids and Selena's. So we may have a, a few more. Um, it, it doesn't matter who you pray for, but uh, we kind of like to have... Um, older women with the ladies and older gentlemen with the gentlemen just because of um, maybe a little easier to talk to, you know, a father figure or a mother figure or, or uh, like sister brother kind of thing. So over the next week, really pray about it, please. Um, I would like every single one of them to have a prayer partner. The first week, if we don't have some that are signed up with someone, we may have someone, you know, do two kids, uh, but I'd really like for one-on-one -on -one interactions, and um, this gives you an opportunity to pray for them and to speak with them, uh, and that'll help grow our kids spiritually uh, as we begin to grow in numbers as well. So uh, really pray about it. Like I said, I have some people in mind, and I'll talk with you uh, over the next couple weeks or so, um, but if you feel like you are led to do this, um, please really pray about it. Even if you don't pray really well, um, it doesn't matter because you are praying for someone and God knows the exact situation that's going on. So even if you don't think that you're a good prayer warrior, um, you could be the, the best mentor that someone has. So um, over the next couple of weeks, really pray about that and uh, we'll bring it back up. I'll try to have a list that, uh, that you guys can uh, write your name down and we'll get some information for you or from you. Uh, phone numbers, um, I would say emails, but nobody does that. Uh, you know, any other type of uh, communication that'll, that'll help us. So be in prayer. Let me know. Uh, we can talk about it a little more, and I'll try and set you up with the kids. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Greg. So how many of you know you need, you need prayer? <laughs> Kids need prayer, too. We're going to continue to pray for them. The story of Jonah, <clears throat> uh, I, I love that Jesus talks about that. He says, the only sign I will give a rebellious generation is the sign of Jonah. Being that Jesus died and rose again. Amen? So Jonah, because of his own sin, fell into a certain situation where he was stuck. He was basically dead. Whether or not he was dead, he was dead. Like my, he stays in that fish, he's going to be digesting and be little fish pellets. 
We are stuck in death until Jesus pulls us into spiritual life. We are stuck in darkness, and we might as well be in the belly of a fish until God resurrects us. And so we need to move people, right, from death to what? Life. Life. And Jesus says it's not just a life. It is life abundantly. So we want to do that, but we ourselves also have to do that. And sometimes we have minor minor areas, little fish bellies, maybe goldfish-sized things that we're wrong in. And we have different areas in our hearts, in our lives, that have to adjust and move from death to life. We have to allow God to do that within us. Amen? We have a song. And, Emily, are you going to introduce it a little bit? Can you do that? <laughs> no. Why don't you do it? <laughs> uh, we have a song that speaks to that. And you may have heard this before. We, we play it sometimes pre-service and stuff like that. But it talks about us moving in that direction. How many of you are thankful that you've at least been brought to life once in that way? Amen? That you spiritually went from death to life. I think God has that in store for us and for others too.